0: Hello, it's Wednesday 20th of April. I'm Hannah Pearson. On today's show, Gary Bowerman and I will be talking all things travel and tourism in Thailand with Bangkok-based travel journalist Vincent Fitzgerald. Vatican So let's get started. This is the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Hello wherever you are in the world and thanks for listening in. Well, it's hard to believe that it's 10 months, yes, 10 months since we and the region's entire travel industry, were debating the potential merits and debits of the proposed Phuket sandbox. But that was then, the Phuket sandbox started on the 1st of July, 2021, and this is now. A great deal has occurred in Thailand's travel sphere since then, and more changes await up ahead. So today, we are delighted to welcome back Bangkok-based travel journalist and editor, Vincent vichit Badakan to discuss all things travel and tourism in Thailand in 2022. Vincent contributes to, among others, Travel and Leisure and Travel Weekly Asia and moderates seminars at the Foreign Correspondence Club of Thailand focusing on Thailand's travel and tourism sector. Vincent has previously joined us twice on the Southeast Asia Travel Show in September and November last year. So Vincent, thanks so much for coming back on the show. How are you doing today? And how's Bangkok right now?
2: Um, thank you for having me back. Uh, I am still very much in post-Sankran mode, uh, feeling pretty relaxed after the pretty much last week uh, was off for most of Thailand. And um, Bangkok feels feels good. There's an energy and an activity uh, on the streets that there hasn't we haven't seen for a while.
0: So you mentioned Songkran, and I think we have to kick off by talking about the Songkran holidays. Have there been any figures out yet? Have Thais been traveling domestically over the past week? And was it at that level as hopeful by the TAT and the tourism ministry?
2: So um, I haven't seen any projections about and figures from last week yet. Um, those haven't been published yet. We certainly saw a lot of pictures and video on online and in the news. Uh, we saw the water fights come back to Khao San Road in Bangkok. We saw the late night openings that weren't entirely legal uh, in Patong and Phuket, and one hotel in particular is being um, investigated for that. Uh, we saw the full moon parties with ten thousand people in every ferry full, uh, full, going to the uh, to the first full moon party that's been held since um, since COVID. On the surface, it looks like. Things are slowly getting back to normal. But I wonder if that's really the case. Uh, In Bangkok in particular, the hotels that I talked to, especially the sort of mid-range hotels, the four stars, didn't report an uptick in business last week. uh, Bangkok was not a destination for for Thais or international travelers. If people were going somewhere, they were going to Phuket. Uh, or Samui, um, or other, or Khao or Wohin, outside of Bangkok. But you know, the, the hotels I talked to said that they were, it, it was like a normal week. was were, there, were, there was no uh, there was no Songkran surge.
1: So it, it's clearly an evolving picture. I guess that's, that's just natural in terms of the way the region, is having started so late, um, is, is shaking down in terms of travel and tourism. One of the big issues we referenced at the beginning of the show, Phuket sandbox, and then obviously that was replaced by test and go. One of the big issues in Thailand at the moment now is whether you actually remove the PCR test upon arrival. And a big discussion around that is the rate of vaccinations in Thailand, Vincent. What is the current issue? Because I think one of the concerns, particularly at the government level, is the fact that there is a relatively low rate of booster vaccinations. Uh, is that something that uh, is being talked about in the media?
2: So, no. I mean, the short answer is no. I, I was actually surprised when, when you asked me about this before we went on. I looked up the figures and I wasn't aware that booster pickup was so low. Uh, so the no, the percentage of ties who have had their first dose is about eighty uh, percent. A full second dose uh, is seventy three, but then it just drops. When now now that we're so many months into or, you know, after the 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 first two doses, there are only thirty six percent of the people who have had a booster shot, and that to me was really surprising. I, I had I had no idea that was the case. Which means that it's not being reported on at all. Um, I, I haven't seen that figure in the news anywhere until I went to the government figures to find it.
0: That's interesting because, of course, in a lot of other countries across Southeast Asia, they are really talking about booster doses. Like, for example, in Indonesia, ahead of their their mudik, their their homecoming for Eid, that's one of the conditions to be able to travel domestically is to have had a booster dose. So it's it's interesting that it's low in Thailand, but not necessarily reported in the media.
2: Can I also just say that? personally i had my booster 3 months ago which means that i should be about up for the, you know the next booster i haven't received any notification or reminder to go out for one and it was actually kind of difficult to find information to you know see where you know where i should go and where i should apply and and when is the appropriate time you know what the government guidelines are right now
0: yeah again that's yeah it's it's interesting i mean i i think Here in Malaysia, they've started a fourth dose, but I think just for, I think, over 60 and you have to have kind of chronic diseases. But certainly other countries, we've been starting to see that being rolled out. So I think we have to talk to you about reopening. Of course, I think that's always the hot topic um, for Thailand. And last week, the Bangkok Post reported of a desperate need to get the economy back on track, leaving the government no choice but to work towards a full-scale reopening of the country. Do you think there's now a real sense of urgency to remove these entry restrictions? And is there the expectation that if they did so, that would be the silver bullet for normalizing tourism?
2: In the industry, definitely. There's there's a sense of, I don't know if you'd call it urgency, but it's the only glimmer of hope is, is to... To reopen and get more people into the country uh, so from an industry from a hospitality industry tourism industry standpoint absolutely definitely is it a silver bullet no um, i don't think that's that's really the case uh just given the the current situation the there aren't enough flights uh i, w- I was talking to thai airways and we'll, we'll get to that later but um i was talking to thai airways a couple of weeks ago and they're flying in four thousand people a day uh, well that's time two weeks ago maybe the numbers have gone up uh slightly since then, and that's not enough to support the entire industry even with the other airlines so there's you know there's an, there's a problem of airline capacity and there's there's also i mean this is a traditional problem in Bangkok uh and in Thailand in general there's this huge supply uh of hotel rooms. How do you run a hotel on very low uh occupancy and even if hotels now, a lot of re- hotels are sort of optimistically reporting 80-90% on weekends, uh, 100% over Songkran, and that was all really well and good. But what they fail to mention is that a lot of times 30% of the rooms are still closed or under renovations, and we don't know what sort of discounts they're giving. So, So, you know, 80% of 60% of your stock at a 50% discount isn't
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. You you also made an exceptional point there at at the beginning there, Vincent, about the fact that Bangkok has always had this issue of an oversupply of of hotels. Uh, And, you know, that just becomes into much starker focus now as it's trying to rebuild uh, demand and rebuild, as you say, occupancies. You also referred there to the tourism industry and how much it is talking about these issues. And that segues nicely into our next question, because earlier in April, you facilitated a seminar called Maybe This Time. Thailand prepares to welcome back tourists to the land of smiles at the Foreign Correspondence Club of Thailand, which was broadcast online. We'll break this down into three points. Tell us first, who were the guests, the industry guests that you had on the discussion?
2: So it was a great, it was a great panel. Um, we had TAT, the Tourism Authority of Thailand. We had Thai Airways, uh, Thai International, which was pretty unusual. They're, they're a little press shy right now. We had SHR, the Singha Estate Hotel Branch, so Sing, the, you know better as a, as a beer and beverage company, um, has, also has a, a huge uh, property portfolio. And uh, Tika, which is the Thailand Incentive and Convention Association, which is the private sector group that, does, uh, th- that works in incentives and, uh, and conventions.
0: So what were some of the key talking points then? What, what were you grilling them about?
2: So well, interestingly, you know, Thailand, you know, TAT is the marketing agency for tourism in Thailand. And Thai Airways chose to send their commercial team. So I was a little bit worried that I would just get sales pitches and, and not a lot more uh, substance than that. And instead, they were very candid, but they were sort of very Clear, they didn't give a sales pitch. They were very clear about their strategies. And it was almost like it was more of an internal meeting than a, than a meeting for the public than a, or, or sales pitch to sell to, to customers. So TAT was you know, very clear that they were going after every single possible market. You know, People have talked a lot about Saudi Arabia because diplomatic relations have been reestablished uh, between Saudi Arabia and Thailand after 32 years of difficult, low-level relations and no direct flights. So those flights started again in, in February. People are talking a lot about India uh, as as the biggest feeder market with China closed and Russians not traveling right now. But those, you know, those, are, those are the obvious ones. But then they went on to talk about a direct flight from Busan in Korea. They went on to talk about Mongolia. It, it just sort of showed that they were really going after every lead possible or if you wanted to be a little more cynical, they were grasping at straws. But but they were very clear that that was their policy that, that, that they were looking at every every segment every market uh, and, and pursuing it uh, as best they could and sort of the same thing was true for Thai Airways they they were very clear about the the flights and the routes that they wanted to to reopen that they had reopened that they want to reopen before the year but at the same time you know their goal is to be at forty percent of routes by Q4 of this year, 40% of 2019 by the end of 2022. I watched
1: it as well, and you're right, there, there was a real candid nature to the discussions. And I guess in some ways that reflects just the situation that Thailand is facing. I mean, it probably is ahead of most countries in the region in terms of A, it got itself open up quicker. I mean, it has had some some setbacks and you know there is still debate about test and go, we'll come to that in a moment. But the reality is that having been opened uh, the numbers of arrivals probably aren't really where Thailand was expecting them to be three or four months ago. But I did feel that they kind of grasped that and they were now accepting that, okay, what's happened now is probably not up to the speed that we were hoping for. And to make the rest of the year as auspicious as, as it actually can be, this is going to take a lot of hard work. I mean, that was something that really came across to me, Vincent.
2: I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I know one of your pet peeves uh, on the show is projections and how, how various governments and agencies try to predict the number of tourists that are going to be coming in this very unstable situation. And, and you know that Thailand has tossed around figures like 10 million people this year, 7 million people this year. And just, but just to put things in perspective, in the month of April, up until the 18th of April, which are the latest figures the government has published, 253,000 people entered Thailand. Now, if you're going to get to 7 million how many times do you have to you know you need you need 28 months in the year uh, to get to 7 million so we're n- we're clearly not going to get to that figure even even if you know figures are increasing every month by about a third we're we're still not going to get anywhere close to the, to that level of of arrivals so i think you're right they can't focus on on the big picture so they're going to hone in on the On the details that they can they can control or at least have more influence over
1: yeah which which brings us to test and go we've looked there really at the the kind of source markets that they're trying to attract into the country what were the discussions around test and go and and the perhaps the changes that may
2: happen to that uh, within the next couple of weeks the panel was actually pretty coy uh, about that subject i mean clearly everybody would like a simpler system clearly everybody would like to get rid of it a lot of other groups have been incredibly vocal uh, about just getting rid of test and go, uh, including the Thai Hotel Association. They've been uh, uh, very outspoken on the subject. In my group, in, in on my panel, they were more in favor, they were pleading for making everything simpler, whether it's simplifying Thailand pass, which is the application you need to file online before you travel into Thailand, uh, or simplifying the testing or eliminating the, te- the requirements for testing. Uh, visa requirements are not specific to, to COVID, and, but that's an ongoing debate. Like, how do you make the process simpler for countries uh, who still need a visa to get into Thailand? So yeah, those were the things that people, uh, people were more interested in and, and were more vocal about uh, at the panel.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting that they were quite coy about it because like you said that's the the million dollar question at the moment. I mean, what what's your take on it? Um, where do you think the next stage is going to be for testing go? Well,
2: I mean, so the reason they were coy is that they had to be that you know they they had to they had to be diplomatic about it. They they can't uh, ruffle the feathers of the government and the authorities. You know, that was the explanation. Where what things are happening? People are talking about May 1st as a date. For some sort of change, but we've, what we 've seen so far is that the changes are incremental, and so this morning I mean so, so this morning or yesterday there was an announcement or a request that uh, maybe an ATK test would replace the PCR test on arrival, but I think you know, a lot of people are just are, are still put off by the fact that they have to do a test on arrival. Test and go is a de facto quarantine. You have to stay one night for, uh, in a hotel. You have to book one night before you arrive to, do, to wait for your test results. And so whether it's an ATK test or uh, a PCR test, I think that's still very off-putting to a lot of people with the idea that you have to do that and that you have to self-test again on, the, on day five. It's, it's a deterrent. It's not, uh, it doesn't encourage people to travel.
1: Yeah, I guess there's two sides to it, isn't there? There's there's the side of actually upon arrival, and this this testing is is a complete deterrent. And as you say, you have to book one night's hotel in advance. There are only defined locations in which you can do that. Um, but there's also the, the pre-travel bureaucracy of travel at the moment. You know, applying for your Thailand pass and those kinds of things. It's the amalgamation, isn't it? It's the, it's the pre-travel and the arrival travel experience, um, which are which are a combined deterrent. Which I guess. I guess the thing that came out for me from the, the panel session was that, and although you're saying they're being coy, which I, which I respect, the state we're in right now and the current situation, will lifting those restrictions actually make a great deal of difference in the near term? And I'm not really sure that anybody could conclude that it would.
2: I don't, I don't think that it can, I mean, for the reasons that we discussed earlier, that um, yeah, there, there is so much supply, that uh, there's so little capacity... On planes to get people here, you know, every plane arriving could be full, and it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, we wouldn't reach the numbers anywhere close to the numbers uh, of two thousand nineteen. So no, it doesn't make a difference in the short run, but it makes the destination more attractive uh, for people who are thinking about what they're going to be doing, you know, this summer coming from Europe or from, from the U.S., and even more so you know, for longer term plans for the end of the year holidays so it's important it's an important step it has to happen but we don't know when it's going to happen and the government yesterday made an announcement saying that um july 1st was still their target date for declaring the pandemic endemic you know something that we can live with which doesn't suggest that they are in a mindset to loosen restrictions completely or or, or remove restrictions completely there was another announcement this morning saying that, you know, they would consult, the government, uh, the prime minister would consult with businesses to see the best way forward. But again, what does that mean? I mean, what? obviously, you know, business is going to say the more business, the better. Health authorities are going to say, oh, we have to be careful and we have to be careful of the post-Songkran rebound. Maybe you know, people have been traveling, so the numbers are going to go up. Do we need to be cautious about that? Uh, and that has been the debate since the beginning uh, of this crisis.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's It's that tug of war, isn't it, between the health ministry and, and uh, businesses, obviously still not resolved in Thailand yet either way. So let's move on then uh, from test and go and Phuket Sandbox. So we've seen that you've been traveling frequently over the past couple of months. So we'd love to hear what you've discovered. So how are Thai airports faring? Are services, shops, restaurants open? Are they busy? Uh, is check-in quick?
2: So there were about six months last year when we couldn't travel. Uh, from from April to September, there really wasn't very much travel going on at all, domestically uh, uh, and obviously internationally. And the airports were spooky. They were they were just ghost towns. If if you've ever walked in one of it's it's a very very long airport, and. Um, I remember crossing the entire airport and being the only person and not finding an open shop and not finding uh, obviously no no duty free and no uh but you couldn't buy a cup of coffee because everything was closed. And that's changed. Uh definitely I I I flew four times last week in uh in the last two weeks uh in Sonepat and at least in the domestic terminal uh most everything is open there's there's one big chunk of retail space uh, for King Power, which has the the franchise for uh, for most of the retail in the airport, uh, that is being renovated. But otherwise, the shops, the the pharmacies, the the food shops, the coffee shops, the, those are open. When you get to check in, there are for people who haven't checked in online. There's a line. There's a there there are people waiting in that you know snake of cordons. Uh, waiting for uh, waiting to get to a check-in desk, the security that you never had to wait at before. I mean, in the last six months, uh, you stand in line now. There, there's there. It's not a long wait, but you have to wait. So, so definitely there are more there, there are more people in the airports, and of course, last week was Songkran, so it was the the Thai New Year holiday. So clearly, more people were traveling. But yeah, so there there is definitely there there is definitely more activity.
1: And just to clarify for our listeners in the U.S., given what's happened there this week, what's the protocol in terms of mask wearing in airports and on
2: flights in Thailand? Keep your mask on in all public places at all times. No, no discussion. On my last flight back to, to Bangkok uh, last Thursday, a lot of people found that difficult. I think, I think Thai people have just resigned to the fact that they, that is what you do. And maybe it has to do with conformity in Thai society. Maybe it has to do with a greater awareness of, of collective public good and public health. But the, you don't hear that debate at all from, for, from the Thai public. But on this flight that I was on last week, where there were clearly a lot of foreign tourists sitting around me, every single time a flight attendant passed by, it was, please put your mask over your nose. Please pull your mask up. You have to wear the mask. If you want to travel with us, you must wear your mask, and this was like a broken record for uh, the hour and fifteen-minute flight from Phuket to Bangkok. And people need to be aware that even if they're, the fines and the uh, are not in, not enforced all the time, the, your, for your first offense it's six thousand baht. For your second uh, offense, I think it's twenty. Uh, so it's a chunk of change if if you insist on not wearing your mask and you know when you know you should. Interesting insight. So tell us a bit more
1: about where you've been, what destinations have you been to and what have you found as you've been traveling around Thailand in the past couple of weeks or so?
2: So I've I've been invited to see a couple of new properties. Um, I was in Kaulak, which is just a little bit north of Phuket, where Avani, one of the minor brands, uh, has opened an an Avani Plus Kaulak. Brand new facility with huge beachfront and a, and, a, and a huge property, I think it's 327 keys, many of which are, are two bedrooms. So, so definitely very family oriented as well. So cl- clearly people are investing in new, new projects and new properties. And now that things, in, and clearly those investments started uh, before COVID, uh, but now they're seeing that the time is opportune, opportune and they're opening those, uh, those to the public. Uh, V Villas, which is an M Gallery, uh, a core property in Phuket, is is sort of the opposite. It's a 19 villa, super luxury, butler service, all pool villa, on the sea, luxury property that also opened in the last six months. And even the old property, the older established brands, uh, I've been to two Dusit Thani's in the last or four weeks, uh, one in Wahine and one in uh, Phuket as well, Laguna Phuket, and they are pulling out the stops to make. You know, they've they've they spent the last two years making improvements, making the rooms nicer, hiring new chefs, creating new restaurant concepts. So, so the hotel operators and uh, owners who've had the luxury of doing that have really spent the last 2 years improving their product
0: That's interesting so there is still they still see the a, a potential i suppose of uh, and that it's an investment to uh, to refurbish their properties and, and bring them up to the next level in anticipating a tourism rebound
2: And yes i've even heard that from uh, from smaller hotels not just the big groups not just the the, the international brands but you know a lot of 3 star 4 star hotels uh, you know, one one owner I was talking to is like we changed all the ACs and the toilets and bought new furniture, and you know they're they're ready and waiting and they're you know, they're in Bangkok and in in Pattaya. I, I think that's true across the industry. If people had the means to do it, uh, they did, and they're optimistic. I think I think it, it's long term optimism. It's just that the long term just keeps getting longer. Uh, the we we don't know when when we can expect. A reasonable level of business to come back.
0: I love that. The long term keeps getting longer. Yes. <laughs> I think that sums up Southeast Asia right now. So I wanted to ask you about domestic travel, in particular, the stimulus campaigns. Um, so last year and at the beginning of this year as well, the, the Thai government have their We Travel Together, which provides uh, a subsidy for hotel bookings and, and flight bookings and so on. And also the Tour Thai, which supports um, travel packages, um, being bought at travel agents, but it seems to be a little bit less popular in 2022 than in 2021. What's your take on why that might be?
2: I don't know that it's actually less popular. Um, I would say that 90% of Thais traveling who are eligible for those grants and subsidies are using them, but they don't benefit the businesses equally. So the We Travel Together subsidy is 40% of your hotel bill up to 3,000 bots, up to about hundred US. And hundred US dollars is a significant upgrade uh, in a nice hotel. So I think people are using it more in that way, more skewed, to, skewed toward the higher end of the, the market. So if you were gonna get a deluxe room in a nice hotel, all of a sudden you can get a one bedroom or, or a club room or an F&B package uh, or a car or you know, a BMW. Uh, or resort credits, or all kinds of things that you wouldn't have necessarily paid for on your own uh, if it were if it were your money. <laughs> but people are definitely using that and and I hear that from the hotels everywhere all All of the Thai guests are are using that uh, that credit. I don't have overall figures. Uh, I don't know if there uh, has been a lot of spending, uh, a lot more I don't know how spending compares uh, between this year and last. I think the danger right now is that they're talking about ending the we travel together subsidies at the end of May. And if they do that, I suspect that all these people who are going out and spending and saying, yeah, we can have a long weekend in Mohin or we can, have a, uh, we can get a villa in, in Kauyai will stop doing that. And they'll go back to saving their money for a bigger overseas trip when that's easier. You mentioned earlier,
1: Vincent, that Russians aren't traveling at the moment. We know the reasons for that. And actually, in Thailand right now, it's probably moved out of the, the peak season anyway. Um, but as we discussed in our show last week, there are these radiating economic impacts of the Russia-Ukraine war. When you're talking to hoteliers, when you're talking to the industry, are there concerns that you know these cumulative impacts of the war are actually going to do more damage to, to Thai tourism? You know, this is a global issue.
2: I, I think it's viewed as... Another obstacle among many, it's, it's not an overriding concern. It doesn't come up in conversation a lot, but when you talk to people, you certainly hear, you know, if flights from Europe are two or three hours longer because they have to reroute uh, around Russia and Ukraine, if fuel prices make plane tickets 20% more expensive over a long period of time, then those will clearly impact the, the number of people coming, uh, particularly from long-haul markets, particularly from, uh, from Europe or, uh, or even North America. The answer is yes, there's awareness of it. No, it's not really the biggest concern because there's so many other things to be concerned about. Uh, the, the, the numbers, the arrival numbers are still so, so, so low. 253,000 people have entered Thailand in the month April so far to the 18th of April including test and go sandbox and uh, quarantine options. That is a little more than two days worth of average arrivals in 2019.
0: That really puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Let's move on to something a little bit lighter then to to finish off. What are your travel plans for the rest of the year? Are you going to be going overseas now you can?
2: Answer: my first trip was supposed to be Sri Lanka and I was supposed to be in Sri Lanka about now. Uh, But given the situation there, that all, all of those plans uh, have been put on hold. So um, yes, I, the, answer, the short answer is yes. I would love to travel again. And I think that my first trips are going to be regional just because they're going to be easier because countries have opened up and there are lots of things to see and do. I want to go to Bali. Uh, I want to go to Manila. Uh, Singapore is open. Vietnam is open. Cambodia is open. So it's sort of Throw a dart on a map, and I will happily get on a plane to any of those places, so long as the conditions, the travel conditions, are easy.
0: Brilliant! Yeah, I think that, that just about sums it up, doesn't it? Throw a dart on a map, <laughs> go go there anywhere.
2: <laughs> I'm also, you know, I mean, also just because there's so many people in those places I haven't seen in in two years and more than two years, so it's beyond the work and beyond uh, the travel for pleasure element it's just reconnecting with people that we haven't had the opportunity to see in such a long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, all of our first trips, my first trip overseas will probably be for reconnecting with people as well. So that brings us to the end of our special edition with Vincent Fitchett buttercan Thank you so much for coming on the show, Vincent. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. And don't forget to send us your thoughts and comments on anything we discussed or anything we missed out. You can drop us a message on our LinkedIn page at the Southeast Asia Travel Show.
1: Yep. Meanwhile, you can catch up with the Southeast Asia Travel Show's full back catalogue on our website, www.theseasiatravelshow.com. And of course, you can listen to every episode, including this one with Vincent talking about Thailand, on all the various international podcast platforms. Again, just search for the Southeast Asia Travel Show on each app. And if you tune in via Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please remember to give us a quick rating and a review, as that will help other people to find the show.
0: So that's a wrap for today. and We'll both return to talk more travel and tourism in Southeast Asia. We look forward to talking to you then.